Hello, magic seekers, and welcome to It Turns Out She's a Witch. We're your hosts, Laura and Shannon, and, and welcome, welcome to, to our, our podcast coven. our beautiful podcast coven and we're back again with another episode yes we are hi everybody and the wheel has turned again and we are at marbon yes so that's for southern hemisphere that is correct and what is it in the northern hemisphere so in the north right now you would be coming into astara so the spring equinox okay and we in the south are in autumn equinox so opposites. Yes, opposite sides of the wheel. Nice. Opposite sides of the sphere. It's always still amazes me. It yep. really does that the earth can be like frozen solid at mm-hmm. one end and boiling hot at the other. And they do say opposites attract. So all you northerners, we love you. We see you. We hear you. This one is for... You know, Everybody. this time for you in six months and yes. also now. So exactly. <laughs> it is all good. We just wanted to recognise that it's, you know, that's the way it is. Definitely. And just look back on our spring equinox episode yeah. for those in the, in the north. Yeah. So, Shen, what are the main themes of the autumn equinox? Well, as with the spring equinox, so light and dark are cast equally over the land and the descent into the darker months is just around the bend. And it's a time of making sure that we are well physically and mentally and we're asked to be honest with ourselves and to take responsibility for our lives. So being practical, self-improvement and making peace are all at the forefront of this second harvest festival. So for us in the south, the darkness is just around the bend. So it's a time of getting ready for winter. And contrary to what is taught in many pagan and Wiccan circles, the ancient Celts actually didn't celebrate a holiday called Marbon. You might not know this. Right. At the autumn equinox. Rather, they celebrated the seasonal division. So the liminal times where the veil was thin between the worlds with fire festivals that included Samhain and Beltane. So the solstices and equinoxes were originally celebrated by the Anglo-Saxons and it wasn't until many hundreds of years later, around 1970, that the name Marbon was coined by an American academic and neo-pagan influencer Aidan Kelly. Ah, so neo-pagan. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. So in reference to a Welsh god called Marbon, ap modron which translates to great son of the great mother. But I'll be going into that more later on. Mm -hmm. But basically the current wheel with its eight sabbats as we follow was introduced through the Wiccan path in the 1950s, 60s. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we touched on this in a past episode, but I thought I'd just bring that up. Oh, that's a brilliant reminder. Absolutely. It's Marbon. Yep. So... At this time, it's about balancing the feminine and masculine energies within us and finding the middle path. So honouring our relationships, gratitude, harvest, introspection and prosperity. Yeah, which is perfect when you're going from one big season into the next. Yeah. When you break it up that way, it's a perfect time to really analyse where you're at. Definitely. Love that. Yeah. 
Um, so when you're talking about elements, mm-hmm. what elements are associated with Marbon? Marbon is associated with water. Okay. Yep. Not the first one that comes to mind. No. Yeah. Oh, that's water. interesting. Mm. Okay. Right. And the colours associated with the festival? I would say these would have to be some of my favourite colours. So you've got burgundy, orange, dark green, dark purple, brown and gold. So it's all those like rich, oh, wow. rich colours. Which balances out the water element. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting. And when we're looking at sort of crystals that people can work with for maybe their altar or whatever celebrations they want to have in correlation with Marbon? Yeah, well, they can work with amber, amethyst, citrine, garnet, peridot, ruby, tiger's eye and lapis lazuli. So once again, all those rich colours. And one of my favourites is tiger eye. So it brings confidence, strength, courage, protection and good luck. And it sharpens the senses, promotes intuition, and it also helps you to be quite practical, centred and grounded, um, all the themes of Marbon. Mm. And it also stimulates our sacral and solar plexus chakras, which I feel at this time of year is we need that grounding. Yeah, mm. like stabilise yourself because Definitely. you're entering another winter coming yeah, up. Getting yeah, getting ready, getting prepared. It also makes me um, think of the movie Practical Magic. I yeah. don't know your feelings on Practical Magic. I but love I've that always movie. Love, always, well, I'm a massive Sandra Bullock fan and have been since forever, God knows. Like I think I was 12 when I first watched a movie with her and it called The Net. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> but it was, it was a movie on an airplane that I watched when we were going from South America to America to America and um, yeah it was called The Net and Sandra Bullock was in it and it was amazing but anyway later in um, in time I saw her in Practical Magic oh. but I think it was Nicole, Nicole Kidman's character that actually looked at the full moon and it was a blood moon and then she had to leave the car and go get her tiger's eye because um, she needed it for protection. Yeah. Do you remember that? You're just I nodding do, away. I do. And the belladonna's in the back. Yeah. Yeah. And she's mixing it into his drink. Oh, my God. I do love that movie so It much. is a good movie. It's so funny. And fun fact, my yes. second crystal I ever bought was yep. a tiger eye. Mm. And I clearly remember it because my best friend, Sky, had her mum had a little crystal shop at the entrance on the Central Coast. Ooh. And, yeah, and I've still got it. Still got it to this day. That's beautiful. It was a beautiful one. And my first ever crystal was a rose quartz. And I still have that. It sits like on our bed, on our bed frame. Um, And I bought that from, there was a little shop in Erin Affair called, pretty sure it was called like Inspirations or something like that. And it was a a crystal shop. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember walking in there and it was just another realm. It was all magical. That's sort of, yeah, bringing back some memory. I loved National Geographic. National Geographic had a shop in Erin Affair. Yeah. And it had, had lots really of tumbled shop. stones. Mm. And um, whenever I got the chance, I was always in there just like looking at them. I loved the hematites. They were my favourite back then. What was your first crystal? Do you remember? My parents bought me a little cluster of amethyst. It's in Lucy's room these oh, days. Oh, so you still got it. Mm. That's beautiful. And the first one I bought for myself was um, a carnelian bracelet. Mm-hmm. Um, and a tiger's eye bracelet. Interesting. Yeah, little one. Yeah. And then what, another tiger's eye correlation um, was when we were in 
Belgium in Brussels. <laughs> um, Matt found one when we were walking somewhere. He just looked down and, um, yeah, there was just one on the road. Someone had clearly dropped it. And oh, he's wow. like, that's, a, that's What's that? And he picked it up. I'm like, that's Tiger's Eye. That's great for travellers. It's good for protection. And I was like... Not like I was just running on what I what I'd sort of picked up. I'd never sort of really read into anything, but I was like, yeah, yeah that's great for protection. I've seen Practical Magic. <laughs> Stick that in your pocket. So we did, and that's still in the house to this day. Yeah, I love it. Mm. I love the stories behind. Yeah, the different things you collect over the years, and totally. especially crystals. I, I'd, yep. We probably should write this stuff down so that you know. When we die one day and there's oh these God. crystals yeah. lying around that they know there's like significance to them. That's for this. Well, it's all recorded on audio. All our kids just need to listen yeah. to hundreds and hundreds the of hours. The rose quartz on the bed is important yeah. and the tiger eye, That's right. stone. <laughs> listen up, kids. <laughs> anyway, we've digressed Back again. Um, yeah, so we've talked about the crystals. But Shan, what about the foods that are good for creating a feast to celebrate with on Marbon? So the foods associated are apples, bread, corn, cider, duck, grapes, pumpkin, root vegetables, turkey and wine. That's lots. That's a lot. There's a lot of variety there. It sounds delicious. I know, right? I don't know if it's just that or the, the fact that I haven't. The and the wine. Yeah. And yeah. But all the root vegetables as well. That's I know. a feast. It is. Really um, earthy. Yes. Yeah, nice. very much so. It's the harvest. It makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. And um, plants and essential oils associated with this time. You have aster, chrysanthemums. Did I say that right? Yeah. I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Marigolds, myrrh, patchouli, rosemary, sandalwood, thyme, and one of my favourites, vetiver. Mm. Mm. That's super earthy. Oh, yeah. I love vetiver. I think I've... Yeah raved about vetiver before in, mm-hmm. in another episode but oh I'm here for it yep um so with the oils um you know this time of year we could make a little blend even like mm. a rollerball blend or put it in the diffuser and that sort of thing couldn't we that it definitely yeah yeah to that, invoke that energy of marble. that's right yeah mm. lovely um and what about symbols and how we could use them on our altars so the two main symbols of Marbon are the pentagram and the cornucopia. Go on because I really need to know what this cornucopia is, <laughs> what to do with one. What <laughs> What are you picturing? I, have, I don't know. I, it's something that looks like corn. <laughs> corn kernel? Corn kernel? No, I don't know. So the cornucopia is known as the horn of plenty. Okay. And it's a symbol of abundance and nourishment and commonly a large horn-shaped container overflowing with produce and flowers and coins and nuts. So you've probably seen that. Yes, I think I've even used one of those images before. And it turns out she's a psychic post. (laughs) Well, there you go. So Mm -hmm. traditionally it was made from a goat horn. Yeah, and it's hollowed out. Yes. But it's often just a woven basket that's in a horn shape. Sure. Yeah. And it's also associated with several Greek and Roman gods, most notably those connected with the harvest, prosperity, or with spiritual abundance. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you've got Plutus, the god of riches. He carried a cornucopia. Fortuna, the goddess of good luck, was given the power to bestow prosperity onto an individual. 
uh, and also associated with the corn of pl- the corn of plenty. <laughs> the corn of plenty. Corn of plenty. The horn. Maybe even. corn is a plenty as well. The Roman goddess Abundita. Oh, I can't. I'm Abundita. Yep, that's it. Ah, oh, there you go. As her name suggests, was considered to be abundance personified. Sure. And there's also Demeter, the Greek goddess of agriculture. She was often depicted with a cornucopia, and it was overflowing with fruit as was her son Plutus, the god of wealth. Makes sense. Yeah, so yeah. there's quite a lot of different deities that are, are depicted. But they're all um, associated with that abundance and the plentifulness of, a, you know, a bounty. Yeah, and it's mm. like overflowing. Yep. Yeah. Oh, enough for yourself and to share. And also a little side note. Ooh, um, go on. I love side notes. Side note. In the US at Thanksgiving, it's quite a common thing to have one as a centrepiece on the table. Oh, right. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Mm. I'm, go- I'm really going to have to source one or make one even. Yeah, it'd be cool to make one. Mm. And that would be perfect to fill different things with at different times. For sure. On one's altar. On your altar. Yeah, I love that. Um, so what kind of celebrations can we participate in around Marbot? You obviously feasting. Yes. Feasting's the main one. Um, I'm happy to do that. (laughs) Same. Same here. Uh, The harvest, so harvesting your garden, Mm -hmm. caring for it, and charity work as well. It's a good thing to do at this time. It's a good thing to do any time, but this time in particular. Well, that makes perfect sense when, especially you're looking at second harvest, you've got plenty, so you could give back. Definitely. When you've got that excess. Um, And deities. I used to say deities so i apologize to ear holes oh, I think but tomato 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 <laughs> tomato and we're just talking about that with equinox yeah because i say equinox you i'm say sure equinox. lots of people do i think it's yep as it's one of those things tomato tomato potato potato that's it equinox but, equinox yeah deities deities i like deities though i'm gonna stick with deities there you go yeah so anyhow that said <laughs> what are the particular ones associated with marbon you've got aphrodite Venus, Persephone, Demeter, Modron and Marbon. Wow. Mm. That's a lot. It is. Are they from all different areas? They are, yes. They're from different. um, So you've got like the Greek and Roman and Welsh. And we've talked about Persephone. Yes, we have. We have spoken about Persephone. Beautiful. Mm. Anyone that has skipped through that, go back. Yes, please do. Molly Remus. Yeah. Walking with Persephone episode. Highly recommend. Oh, beautiful. Actually, really, really well worth it. And the read is amazing. Anyway, I digress yet again. Um, so what um, mythologies do you have to share? Do you have any? I'm hoping you do because you normally do and I really I love, love them. I love a good old mythology. I like listening to your, <laughs> to your stories, Shan. Well, I thought it was only fitting that it being Marbon that yes. I talk about the Celtic god Marbon, who this festival is named after. What? I know. Insanity. I know. All right. So settle All on right. in. All right. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so the name Marbon translates to son, the young man or boy. He's a hunter spirit and the son of Modron, whose name translates to mother. He's the divine child and like many divine children of myths and legends, was mistreated and then rescued. So Modron in Welsh means earth mother goddess and guardian of the other world. She is connected to both the Celtic triple goddess, 
Morgan Le Fay, Avalonian Priestess and Otherworld Queen. In Celtic and Avalonian legend, all of these divine women played roles as the sovereign goddess of the land whom the ancient Celtic and British kings had to promise to protect before they were allowed to rule. And if you ask me, this should still be the case, just saying. Yeah, sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) So therefore, as the great son of the great mother, Marbon is recognised as the son of sovereignty, champion of the goddess of the land and archetypal rightful king. In some Arthurian legends, Marbon was also a knight in King Arthur's army. Oh, wow. Mm. And the tale of Marbon begins with Modron giving birth to Marbon in the autumn equinox. So three nights later or three years later, depending on the version. Yikes. He's stolen from her and Marbon is held captive in the other world or Modron's womb where he is nurtured but also faces many challenges that help him grow stronger and wiser, much like life on earth when you think about it. baby. Mm. Goodness. And ultimately he's rescued and reborn as the son of light. In some versions of the story, Marbon is rescued by several animals, including an owl, a stag and a salmon. In others, King Arthur himself comes to his aid. In all versions, however, Marbon returns to take his place as his mother's champion and protector. The story's theme of bringing our light within or back into the womb aligns beautifully with this season in which we find ourselves. At autumn equinox, light and dark are equally balanced as we prepare to enter the dark half of the year. At this time, we naturally grow quieter, more introspective, effectively bringing our light within to illuminate our inner world after shining outwardly during spring and summer. It's now that we have an excellent opportunity to face our shadow and the challenges it presents and do the necessary work to heal and grow stronger. That's so beautiful. It really is. It's a a beautiful way of looking at autumn, I think. Yeah, and a reminder to... Look within at this time of year. Mm. All yep. of it. Take stock. It and yeah. Mm. Um, and in saying that, uh, what kinds of rituals would you recommend for our listeners to do to connect with the energy of the equinox? So, as always, create an altar. Yep. I love creating altars. And on there you can have a fireproof bowl such as a cauldron. And I always recommend with any kind of bowl or cauldron to put a layer of sand just to protect it and surround it with apples, grapes, autumn leaves, crystals and other items you might feel drawn to from the list above and in the centre place an orange candle. You'll also need some dried bay leaves available in the herb section of your supermarket (laughs) if you don't grow them and dry them yourself. Yeah, or a giant jar in my kitchen. Yes, (laughs) if anyone needs some, Laura's got like a bucket load. (laughs) (laughs) And I really love this uh, ritual. So onto each bay leaf, you can write something that you are grateful for that has come to fruition over spring and summer. And you light them one by one using the orange candle flame and place it into the heat proof bowl. That's beautiful. It really is. So it's acknowledging all of these things that you're grateful for. And take those ashes and spread them over the earth outside so you're giving back to Mother Earth and the land. Yeah. Yeah, so that is a really lovely one for everyone to do. Absolutely, I love that. I think and easy. Yeah, 
Mm. Um, Maya's actually watched me write on bay leaves and burn them. And then she'll go and find a gum leaf because she just looks at it oh, as a leaf. Beautiful. Like, it's beautiful. Um, she calls them a wishing leaf. Oh, I love Can that. Can we write on a wishing leaf? <laughs> so cute. So we do, of course, because mama can't say no. <laughs> but that's beautiful. And yep. once again, as I say a million times over the course of this podcast, it's the intention. So if that's her wishing leaf, that is her wishing leaf. It absolutely 100% is as powerful as the wish she makes every birthday and blows out her candles. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cute. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. She's a sweetie and she always entertains me so um, okay, so are we up to divine tool of the week? We are. Because this sounds like a good one. It is a good one. So our divine tool of the week this week is the chalice because I thought with Marbon being a water element, yeah, the indeed. chalice is a good one. Yeah, and you make them. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I well, do. You do call them goblets. I do call them goblet. We have been drinking from them. We have. We have. We've had a little whiskey during this episode. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, full disclosure, we've we've recorded a couple of episodes. So um, (laughs) it's been a couple of wee drinky poos. A few wee drams. It's been super fun. It has. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I call them goblets. Chalice is much more regal. Well, it's... Goblet's kind of like... I I like goblet. Goblet. Yeah, but it's, you know, same, same. Yeah, I think Go I'm going to rename the chalices though. It sounds Don't way better. <laughs> no Don't more goblet dare. section on the website. It's chalice. <laughs> it has been renamed. <laughs> Please see. <laughs> Go on. Oh so the chalice, as yes. many of you probably already know, is a ritual cup that represents the element of water and it has historical uses in many different traditions, notably the Catholic Eucharist. Have I said that right? Yes. I'm not Catholic. I have. Yes. Go me. Woohoo. Go you. But when we talk about chalices and witchcraft and magic, we generally mean a ceremonial goblet used only for rituals and spells. So keep it separate from your regular wine glasses and cups. Only yeah, that's use right. it in ritual. It's that one purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it sacred. So many Wiccans do not consider it to be a tool, but instead to be a symbol of the goddess, particularly her womb. Ah, see, interesting. That's, uh, did you see um, Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code or read the book or see the movie? No, I haven't. Yeah, I'm that's probably fascinating. That has a one really of the only good, people that has it. Um, depiction of uh, the womb in relation to chalice, goblet, etc. Exactly ah. what you're talking about. Fascinating. Is that about like the Holy Grail? Yeah. Ah. Indiana Jones also. Yeah, go on. Interesting. <laughs> it is. It all ties together nicely. So, Although they are often silver, you can use a wine glass, a ceramic drinking vessel made by Asher Moon, (laughs) shameless plug, (laughs) or even something carved from stone. But if you tie it on money, uh, honestly, a plastic cup will do as long as you keep that for that work only and sacred. And once again, it's intention. That's right. So here's some ways you can use your chalice in your magical practices and they are not only for drinking ceremonial or, as I should say, celebrational wine. In our our use. (laughs) Although they're they're good to use for that too. Mm -hmm. So you can leave it outside when it's raining to collect the water for blessing. You can use this water on your altar space to represent that element or drink it during ritual for energetically cleansing away all that no longer serves you. 
Alternatively, you place the chalice of water out in the full moon to create moon water. Mm-hmm. And once again, you can drink this in the morning to embody the energy of that particular moon or use it to create herbal infusions and potions. And I would encourage everyone like with your full moons to look into what moon it is, like whether it's you know, a full moon in Leo or a full moon in Pisces, they're very, very different. That's probably another podcast. <laughs> That's another divine tool of the week, Definitely. really. <laughs> and a chalice can be used in binding ceremonies such as during circle work to seal the bonds of sisterhood. And as you know, I personally use a Scottish quake during my um, personal circles with yeah. uh, close friends and family. And that is from my lineage of, of being Scottish. And our circles normally end with a little swig of the whiskey at the end and it's a lovely way to to finish that off. And this was obviously pre-COVID and only with my close friends. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah, all those waivers. Yep. (laughs) And you can also use the chalice for unity. So replace it instead of a unity candle at a wedding, you can have a unity chalice. Mm. And I really love this one. So like... A hand fasting ceremony, uh, the couple each pours some wine into the same chalice and then when they each drink from it, it represents the merging of the two. So you use two different blends of wine and it's that symbol, like symbolism of the two becoming Beautiful. one and then yep. consuming that and I embodying love that. that. Yeah. But just be sure beforehand to do a little taste tester of the blind, like the wine you're mixing up, because you don't want to taste like shit. Because that you could be you don't want quite to be rubbish, a bad omen for your wedding day. So definitely test the blend beforehand. That's, That's great advice. But yeah. I also love the ceremonial aspect to the to that the symbolism of it blending together. And I do too. I think it's really beautiful. And, and then both drinking from that cup. Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk about weddings in general and you know, these days more and more topics of conversation. And I know I had it with my husband. Why even bother getting married? Because we're not um, of the same religion. Mm -hmm. And we didn't even, we we, we were not particularly religious at the time we got married. Yeah. Um, So why? We definitely talked lots at end about why we would get married. We owned a house by then. We'd had a child by then. But for me, I still wanted to get married. I wanted that symbolism of um, showing our nearest and dearest because we knew ourselves yeah. nothing would change. Um, but on some level it, it just does and it's that ceremony behind it. It's it's telling the universe and it's that, that symbolism of showing the world your love for one another and that ceremony sealing the deal that you choose each other and you continue to choose each other and that's why we did it and we had our ceremony barefoot on the beach and we had a moment of mindfulness before the ceremony began with our beautiful um, celebrant. We got to write everything just as we wanted it and Mm -hmm. we wanted that moment to everybody to just, you know, sink their feet into the sand and make the most of the sun on their skin and... Um, it's a ritual. Yeah, it is. And then even before um, we put our wedding rings on, we passed them through the front row where all our um, close family were sitting and everybody held our rings and, um, you know, That's infused beautiful. their love into it before we then gave them to one another. So that was... I love that. That was our meaning and that was the symbolism behind our wedding. Yeah. I don't even know how I got there right now, but I did. So Unity. Unity yeah. palace. 
Yeah. It is. It is that symbolism of merging two things together and, you know, in this day and age with religion and everybody sort of questioning what it means to them. It do, you don't have to overthink it. You just have to think what, what it means for you. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes for anything in witchcraft. It's, yep. you know, there's so many different traditions and different lineages and different takes on things. And yeah. especially for new witches, it can be quite overwhelming. Yeah. Of like, am I doing this right? Am I using the right it's things? Daunting. Do I need all the tools? Absolutely. And do I need to read this book or this book? Or Where do you even begin? It's really, yeah, tricky. And I guess it's like anything it's yep. it's taking what resonates for you and yeah and you making it work for you and what feels you. yeah what feels right yeah where you come from and just explore and feel it out and mm-hmm. I love that and what you connect with and yeah I think that's the beauty of of the craft is it's connecting you to yourself to your higher self and to spirit and that's the main end goal really that's the crux of it <laughs> it is all the and other stuff is just yeah fluff really <laughs> but that's where the magic weaves in because once you know that you you make it work for you and, yeah. and you you go from there 100 yeah. the beauty is figuring that out and finding your own path because there's so much meaning in that mm-hmm. and when you're discovering that that's exciting and it there's is. so many revelations and there's so much you can share and then once you know that you go from there so where, wherever you're at you build from there mm. yeah you're certainly doing you never stop learning with yeah. anything in life as you know <laughs> yeah and you know you stop the only time you stop learning is when you die true and that's the whole other journey of learning um that we can't podcast about <laughs> because we have no idea because we're not dead yet but no. until we are we'll remain here <laughs> we shall and we'll just keep being in your ear holes yeah each you're, week. <laughs> you're welcome listening to us ramble yeah. on <laughs> <laughs> rabbiting on all good though that's that's been really fun. Thank you so much, Shan. That's, I really like these episodes where we visit the Wheel of the Year and, and where we're at and it, it's able to make, at least me, um, you know, be able to correlate that with where I am in my life and where we're looking forward to and how we can live in that rhythm. Mm, definitely. Yeah. I think we were talking about off air about when we started the podcast, it was at around, it was in June, I do remember that. and. Yep winter solstice so Coming we've up. nearly come full circle we've got Samhain to go and then we've got the whole wheel of the year episodes there yep. for everyone to be able to tap into and yep yeah and hopefully create some beautiful rituals and yeah yeah and, and build on and we will yes. you know we'll revisit them definitely and honor them because that's part of it all so mm-hmm. yeah sure is awesome so get in touch let us know what you're doing let us know if you have questions we're here. I'm yep. so curious about everything all the time, always. Same Shens. here. Shens. I love getting your emails yeah. and answering questions. And, and such a voice of wisdom and advice. And I never feel stupid. I can ask you the stupidest <laughs> questions and you'll laugh, but you won't make me feel like silly. It's just like, yeah, cool. Let's go. I love it. I'll talk about it. <laughs> Take care, everybody. And have a very blessed Marbon and Autumn Equinox. And we will see you next week. Bye. We love bringing Turns Out She's a Witch to you each week at no cost. So if you like what you hear, please consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We are a small operation researching, coordinating and producing the show ourselves. 
any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the costs of making the show. As a thank you, you'll get access to some beautiful guided meditation recordings, a Patreon shout-out on the podcast, there's monthly live Q&As, competitions and giveaways, as well as a special book and movie review bonus episodes. For more details, please click the link in the show notes. Of course, if you want to get in touch, send us an email at tospsychic at gmail.com. As always, we welcome your questions. We'd love it if you left a review and shared the podcast with your family and friends and give us a follow over on Insta at turnsout underscore she's a witch. Until next time, thanks for listening and being a part of our podcast covenant.